This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Montgomery, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. Well, we will be finishing up our series on kingdoms and conflict today. And in this series, we've been looking at uh, what the way I put it is two cities, the city of man and the city of God. And in Genesis 11, we see where it says that right after the flood, it says that all men had one language and they were all of one mind. They said, come, let us build a city that will reach up to heaven so that we can make a name for ourselves. And we talked about that, the, <clears throat> pardon me, that the city of man, it was, it was uh, humanistic. It's all centered around man. It's egocentric. It's all about who I am and, and what I possess and what I can do. And that's my value. And then we compared that to Hebrews 11 where it says about Abraham. It says that he went out by faith not knowing to the promised land. And it says he lived in tents. Because he was looking for a city, the city of God, a city that was built by God and not by man. So we've been comparing these two, the city of man to the city of God. <clears throat> Pardon me. Give me a drink of water here. <clears throat> we've been looking at uh, the different aspects in our society, government, economics, education, the family. Today we're going to uh, finish it up by really talking about the two worldviews of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of man, the city of God, the city of man. And you know, we talked about last week because we talked about education and we talked about how that there is an ongoing battle for the hearts and minds of men, isn't it? There's an ongoing battle here. And it's, it's more than just about who has the most stuff. It goes much deeper than that. It's about who can get the hearts, the minds, the, the allegiance of man uh, in, uh, toward their kingdom, toward their values, so that we begin to live our lives. And we are going to live our lives according to one kingdom or the other. You're either going to live your life and your values are going to be ordered by the kingdom in the city of man or by the city of God. That's what we've been looking at. So both the city of man and the city of God have a worldview. We're going to look at these worldviews. Now, a worldview, all we mean is how we view the universe, our conception of it, and the relationship of humanity to the world and the universe is called a worldview. And every one of us have one. I said every one of us have one. And we are living our lives according to that worldview, according to those values that that we have embraced and made a part of our lives. And we want to look at those things because as believers, as Christians, or as those who believe in God, we want our worldview to match up with God's worldview because as believers... uh, We think, I think, that God's the smartest person in the room. Amen? I used to always tell my Bible students this in the years gone by, to always write this in their Bible. Remember this, God is smarter than I am. And so we want to look at these two worldviews and find out what's going on here. If you will, you have your Bibles there, they'll put it up on the screen, Proverbs 14, 12. 
Proverbs 14, 12. We're going to read a scripture there. And the question is, I would ask you this morning is, which worldview is ordering your faith and values? And by which of these worldviews are you living your life and making your decisions? Because every day is a, it's about making decisions, isn't it? The, the, the job that you're working at, you made a decision. The career path you're on, you made a decision. Who you married, if you're married, you made a decision. If you're not married, you made a decision. How you spend your money, it's a decision, isn't it? Every day, the way you treat other people, the way you are in relationships, everything is, it's all about what? It's, it's about your worldview, it's about your values, it's about what you have embraced up until this point in your life. Thank you so much. 14.12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end leads to death. So here's the thing. Who's right? right? Isn't that the big question? Who's right? It doesn't matter whether it's politics, whether it's about education, whether it's about the the political race that's being run now, whatever it might be, there's always a question about who's right. Somebody in your life is a final authority. Come on. You're listening to somebody. You're ordering your life. You know, nobody just, you know, I know you're very smart. Don't, Don't misunderstand me. But nobody is so brilliant that they come up with all their own ideas and sets of values. No matter how independent thinking you, you, you think you might be. Everybody's been influenced. So who is right? Well, here's what I would say. What answers are you looking for? What answers are you looking for? What are the answers that's important in your life? What are you looking for? What, at the core of your being, what are the, what are the answers that you're looking for? Because your worldview is going to attempt to answer that question. Who's right? What's the answers I'm looking for? And I would ask you this morning, does your worldview and your values that you've embraced, does it answer the important questions in life? That brings us to this little phrase, science and the Bible. Yeah, I went there. I did. Science and the Bible. Oh, my gosh. Pastor Norris, why would you want to go there? Because it's important that we understand the worldviews of the city of man and the city of God. And we understand where science and the Bible stand within those two kingdoms and cities. Now, I intend to prove to you that they are not in conflict with one another. Boy, I'm really getting deeper in now. Really getting deeper now. (laughs) <laughs> Let's look at these for a moment. Look, look over, if you will, 1 Corinthians 2. See, it's all about what answers are you looking for. Now, let me, let me just say this to preface it. The Bible is not a scientific book. It's not written to be a science book. Are you listening to me? That's not the answers it's, it's written, written to give you. It's written to reveal to you the truth about God. Who He is. 
who man is, where man came from, what man's purpose is, the salvation that God that man needs. That's that's what this book is about. It's about a revelation. Are you listening? Now let me let me read over here. Stay with me today. First Corinthians chapter two. Uh, we're going to back up. Let's let's start reading there about oh about verse 12 I said 14 but let's look at 12 he said we have not received the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God why that we may understand what God has freely given to us this book is about understanding God who he is and what he has freely given to us it is a spiritual book Verse 14, the man without the Spirit does not accept or understand the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Now, one translation literally says that the the man or the mind of the senses cannot understand the Spirit of God or spiritual things. Now, science deals with the natural realm. Amen? Amen. And I, for one, am so thankful for all that science has done for us. Come on. I know some critical. Sure. I'm glad I didn't have to ride a horse over here this morning. Now, I enjoy riding horses from time to time. It's, it's It's a novelty. I like it, but I wouldn't want to have to ride one every day. I'm glad when I go to the doctor, you know, not, some guy's not cutting me open and bleeding a cord out of me. I'm glad, I'm glad for science. I'm glad for medical science and all that it can do. I'm glad for the technologies. We, I'm glad for all that. But we have to understand what realms we're talking about. And, and depending on the realm we're looking at, the answers that they are to provide. Now, here's the thing. Science can no more discover God than you could discover the atom by using a magnifying glass. Are you listening to me? You know, and this is where we get in error. Because, you know, people get over, you know, that are, are really into science and really into, you know, wanting to, to discover things and really into experimentation and all those kind of things that, that develop new technologies and all that. Listen, that's, that's not, you're never going to discover God that way. Are you listening to me? It's hopeless. Why? Because that you're using the wrong tools. I'm going to get my microscope out to start study the heavens. No. Now listen, it's the city of man, the worldview. Humanism is the ethical theory and practice that emphasizes reason and scientific inquiry. Okay, so far. And human fulfillment in the natural world. But now see, here is where they get out of their league. Out of their debt. And rejects the importance or belief in God. They can't see Him through a telescope. They can't discover Him through a microscope. They can't do it. No matter how, how many experiments they run. They can't find God that way. They can't prove God that way. So therefore, God does not exist. That's humanism. 
See, if they stay in their realm of, of the natural world and they're working in that natural world, because listen, God gave man a natural curiosity and he also, if you read over there in Genesis, he gave man authority and dominion in this world. Genesis 1.26, you can read it over there. And what we're doing, all the technologies that we enjoy, all the advances in medical science and all that, you know what that is? It is man exercising dominion in the natural world. And that's a good thing. To discover it, to subjugate it, to direct it, to utilize it, to develop it, that's good. Am I in the right place? But it cannot, and it was not designed, the mind of man was not designed to fellowship and to know God. The spirit of man is designed to know God. Are you listening? So in this city of man, this humanistic worldview, they reject the importance or even that God is real. And reason replaces faith. And evolution over creation. Now I want to read you something here. <laughs> I've studied this out. Listen to this. The chance that any kind of a 200 component integrated functioning organism could be developed by mutation and natural selection just once anywhere in the world in all the assumed expanse of geologic time about 10 billion years, is less than one chance out of a billion trillion. That's one with a whole bunch of zeros behind it. Let's see, 3, 6, 9, 12, 15, 18, 21 zeros. Wow. What possible conclusion, therefore, can we derive from such consideration except that Evolution by mutation and natural selection is mathematically and logically indefensible. The Bible says that man was created by God and in the image of God. Jesus taught us in John's Gospel, chapter 4, that God is a spirit. So man is a spirit who also lives in a physical body. Isn't that right? So if we want to commune with God, it must be spirit to spirit, not mind to spirit, not reason to spirit. Faith is of the heart. Love is of the heart. Hope is of the heart. Now we can mentally understand those concepts, but when we embrace them, I mean, you know, hope is not always logical. Is it? Faith is not always logical, is it? What's logical about getting out of a good boat in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a lake? That's not too logical. But faith is of the heart, is of the spirit. Now let's continue talking about these worldviews, the this, this, this city of man worldview. Science is their theology and science, scientists have become the new priesthood. It's interesting sometimes, you ought to read sometimes, if you read an article sometimes, you know, when they talk about science has discovered, or science says, many times that word is capitalized. 
Are you listening? Read it sometime. Go for yourself and look at it. All of a sudden, science, science has, you ever read a statement like this? Science will solve all the world's problems. Well, as I said, I'm grateful for science. I'm grateful for the discoveries in the natural realm, the, the technologies and all that. But I'm telling you, you don't have to be, you know, a, a, a rocket scientist. You don't have to be a, a genius to figure it out and see that we haven't solved all the world's problems. That there's still hate and envy and bigotry and racism and murder and violence. And I can go on down the list and so can you. It has not solved that. What's going to solve that is a changed heart. And that is by the Spirit of God. Science cannot do that. Science can try to modify behavior. Science can try to do all those kind of things. But only God can reach in by His Spirit and grace and love and power and change the nature of a man. Can I get a witness? Man, in the humanistic world, man is a result of natural selection. You're just here by random chance. Doesn't that make you feel special? You're an accident. Wow. Isn't it amazing that science seeks to discover and explain the laws, the orderly laws of nature and science, the laws of physics, the, the, the laws that govern this thing. I mean, and they say, you know, they're orderly. That, you know, that, that once you discover a, a natural law, it works the same way all the time. But yet it all got here by an accident. Order came out of chaos, just boom. I've never seen a building without a builder. I've never seen an invention without an inventor. I've never seen a, a blueprint without an architect. They say in this humanistic worldview, God's, God's not real or He's unknowable. Well, the way they're trying to know Him, that's true. You're trying to know Him with the brain. You're trying to discover Him with your microscope or with some kind of experiment. Or you're trying to search the heavens and you're trying to see God. God's a spirit. <laughs> and those that worship Him must worship Him what? In spirit and in truth. You can't know God by your mind. That's not, the, that's not where God is. God's not a mind. God is knowable and He's knowable through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, talking about himself, if you've seen me, he said, you've seen the Father. Jesus, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says, is the express, was and is the express image of the unseen Father. That's why he had to come down here and take on form. One of the reasons he came and took on the form of a flesh and took on a body is because man was trapped in this natural realm. We couldn't know God. We might have an idea. The Bible says we can look at the heavens and get a concept that there, if there's a creation, there must be a creator. But of course, humanism in the city of man says not so. That all came about by the Big Bang. Well, who lit the fuse? 
You know, one of the laws that they taught us, the laws of uh, you know, thermodynamics, is that matter can neither be created nor destroyed. You just change its form. Isn't that right? Water to steam. You burn up a piece of paper, but it, you know, it's changed its molecular form, but it's still here. Well, if that's the case, if matter cannot be created or destroyed, where did the original Big Bang matter come from? See, there's a lot of questions that science, and again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not one of those that kick science. I'm not here, I'm not here kicking. Listen, thank God for that. I'm just saying, let's keep it in its place. Let it answer the questions that it's designed to answer and do the things it was designed to do, and then let's let the, the spiritual things from God's Word and the Holy Spirit and in the person of Jesus Christ reveal to us the things about God that can be known no other way. So if we keep things in their proper perspective and understand how they're meant to operate, it's not one against the other. They're really here working together. Because a God of order is the one who put the order in everything that's being discovered. I mean, you know, we think about, you know, how much stuff is out there on the Internet. How much information is out there? Wow. I mean, you know. Anything you want to think of, just about, you can, you pull something up. You think about where all that's being stored and all that information systems to retrieve that and bring that up. But you know, the Bible says that God has a retrieval system so that He knows every person that's ever lived, every thought they ever had, every deed they ever done, every hair they ever lost, every bird or animal that's ever lived and died, God's got it all stored up in the memory. Heaven's memory bank. You know, we're just kind of sort of trying to catch up to God. It says, humanistic says, this present life is all there is and there is no life after death. So now, science is wanting to present itself as omniscient. It knows everything. It even knows that there's no life after death. What qualified them to know that? How are they qualified to say that? Now Jesus, He's qualified. Why? Because He died and came back to life. He resurrected. Seems like to me He would be the one that would be qualified to know about life after death. Science, this Worldview of humanism. Science is the ultimate revealer, listen to this, of all truth. See, that's, that's where you, they missed the mark. All truth. We're omniscient. Science is omniscient. I mean, you know, fallible man will somehow come up with infallible answers. Mistake-prone men will come up with a mistake-proof theory and idea. How will that work? Says so science is the ultimate revealer of all truth. The Bible is based in mythology and cannot be taken at face value. You poor old Christians. You just need to, you know, you need some education. Well, I'll tell you what. In this room alone, and not to mention in the body of Christ, there's a whole lot of educated people. 
And I think that, that if you've got faith in Jesus and you've got a relationship with God, you're more educated than all those. I don't care if they've got more degrees than a thermometer. Because no matter how much your mind is educated, and believe me, I believe in education. Anybody that knows me knows that. You might not think so, but I have so. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, I'm all for that. I believe in that. I, you know, my, my youngest son just graduated from UCF. I got an, in, in computer science. I've got another son that's studying physics. I mean, I, I believe in education. I encourage him to do that. I encourage you to do that. I think it's good. You need to develop your mind. Don't misunderstand me. But listen, we need to understand this, that... A life without God in it is not a fully developed life. You may have developed your mind. You may have developed your spirit. You may have developed certain talents and abilities. But what about that spirit, that heart connection to God that is the source of your meaning and of your life and of your eternal destination? So... If you believe that science is omniscient, that man is, man, mankind is infallible, then that's where you should cast your lot. But some of us believe in the city of God's worldview. We're going to give that to you now. This is the worldview that, in a nutshell, that the scriptures present that God as the creator of all things, both spiritual and natural. You can read over there in Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the universe. Somebody says, when was that? I don't know, because the Bible is not a science book. It just said, in the beginning. <laughs> How far back does the beginning go? To the beginning. Science so far, I think, has gotten around what, somewhere between 12 and 13 billion. They keep adjusting it a little bit, but, you know, depending on how fast that, that, you know, the galaxy and the universe is expanding outward. So somewhere in the beginning, he says God created the universe. God created it. He set it in order. He set it in place. All the, all the laws of physics, all the laws that govern the movement, of objects in relation to one another. All of that God set in motion. God created it. Are you listening? We're talking about the worldview, the biblical worldview, God's worldview. Man is his highest creation and was made in his likeness. Look in Romans chapter 8. I want to read, I mean, excuse me, uh, Psalms chapter 8. I want to read the scripture. Man is his highest creation. And is made in God's likeness. I'm so glad that God made me. I'm glad that God made you. I'm glad that we are made in the image of God. Amen. Amen. He is a spirit. And we're going to see from the scriptures that you also are a spirit being. You have a mind, an intellect, emotions, a soul. And you also have a physical body. But because of our separation from God, we became more in tune with our minds and our bodies and not so much in tune with our spirit. And so we had, we've been groping around 
We're like a, a person, you know, you know, a person that has lost their sight, a blind person, you know, you know their their environment where they live and everything they want everything they want everything to stay in the same place they don't want things moving around on them because if you if you if you move a table you move a chair they're going to bump into it and trip over it and everything why because they can't they can't navigate with their sight and see when man was separated from god through what the bible calls sin rebellion then all of a sudden we lost our spiritual eyesight. We could not find God on our own anymore. And we groped around mentally and with our minds trying to comprehend the infinite. And we could not do it. Are you listening? Romans, I mean, excuse me, Psalm 8. I keep saying Romans. Must be need to go there. Listen to this. It says, what is, well, we'll back up verse 3. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You've made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. See, this is why I'm not, see, I'm not against science. I, I think it's great all they're doing because all they're doing is they're tapping into what God has already placed here, put here. He put here for us, for man. Hallelujah. It's great, isn't it? It's wonderful to get on a plane and, you know, in just a few hours, you can be in another part of the planet. That's great. It don't, I'm glad I don't have to get on a ship and take months to get somewhere. I'm glad, you know, for all the technology and all the things. And all they've done is discover what God already put here. But the one thing that the mind of God, the mind of man cannot discover on its own is God Himself. It takes a revelation of God revealing Himself to man. This is what was done in the person of Jesus Christ. This is the reason for the incarnation. Jesus said, he said, I've come. He said, and if you've seen me, speaking of himself, you've seen the Father. That's the reason Jesus came as incarnate. He said, so that you can see the invisible God through me. Now, faith and love are the chief tenets of the kingdom of God. Faith and love. Faith and love. Faith and love. Not envy, not greed, not lust. All those are perversions. God's, the major tenets of God's kingdom, what is faith and love? Now, here's the thing. To discover God means that we have to exercise faith. And see, that's one of the things that humanism rejects. So it's rejecting the instrument that God gave us to know Him. Isn't that right? That'd be like going to your doctor and you've got a complaint or something rather than him putting you through a, a, a scan of some kind or an x-ray of some kind. He said, you know what? He said, uh, I don't know. I don't much believe in them newfangled stuff. Here's what I think is wrong with you. No. If they, if they have a suspicion when you go to the doctor that something's wrong with you in there, they'll send you what? To a specialist. And they'll run specific tests. 
using specific instruments designed to discover what's wrong. Isn't that right? So God has given us faith to know Him, but yet the humanistic worldview rejects the instrument God gave us to know Him by. Man fell from innocence into sin by disobedience. You can read that over there in Genesis 3. God put them there in the garden. He set parameters. He said, he said you can, here's all the, the parameters of your freedom. You're free to do this. You're free to, free to use all the fruit of the garden. You're free to develop it. You're free to discover all that the, I put in the earth. It's all yours. You can discover it. You know, as a matter of fact, he even encouraged them to do it. He said, subdue the earth. He said, go out there and discover what's there. Go out there and do that. But he said, there's one area where it's off limits for you. And so he put a test there to prove man. And guess what he did? <laughs> he said, you can have all this, but not that. Guess what you want? It's like, a, it's like a kid that's got, you know, a big sack of candy. But, you know, they're mad, you know, they're mad because their little sister or brother's got one piece. I want their piece. And that's what man did. And through his disobedience, he willfully separated himself from God. So now, <clears throat> when God comes to man, he's got to come in the natural realm and, and reveal himself. An angel's got to appear or some other kind of way that God's got to show himself to the natural senses of man. Man was separated through, through sin. Sin and death entered creation because of one man. Look in Romans 5. How you doing out there? Am I putting you to sleep? I hope not. Are y'all just thinking? Is that what's going on? Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death came to all men because all sinned. Are you listening? You know, science tries to extend life. Thank God for all it can do to help. But ultimately, it does not have the answers, does it? In the face of death, it still stands mute. But here we get the understanding that death came by one man, but that's not the end of it. Look down in verse 19. It said, for just as through... Uh, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, also through the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, many will be made righteous. Many will be made righteous. God, all that righteous means what? Is that we will be brought back into right relationship with God. All of a sudden now, through what the Bible calls the new birth, the, the spirit of God, Man, mankind, receives life, reanimation, life comes to it, and all of a sudden now we can know God. Are you listening? We can know God. But that all begins by the simple act of faith. Hebrews eleven six, He that would come to God must first believe... Must first believe. 
See, science says, here's how we're going to know God. You prove it and then I'll believe. Show me some proof. We'll get outside and look at the stars. <laughs> look at creation. Look at the order. The very things that you, you're basing your scientific inquiry and study on. The things you've, you've based uh, your technology on. That they're going to work the same way every time. You know this going to work this way. You know how the, uh, uh, you know, electricity flows. You know how it's going to work. You know it's going to work this way every time. It's going to work this way. It'll work this way in China. It'll work this way in the North Pole. It'll work it wherever you are. The same way. Those things. He says, he says that same God that put that order there says you first... What? Must believe. He that comes to God must what? First believe that He is. Must believe that He is. So it takes, a, it takes what? Faith. See, this is part of the king. It takes faith. I must believe. I must believe. Now, here's the thing. Anybody that wants to can believe. It's a choice. I don't believe because, you know, you know, a star fell out of the sky and zonked me on the head. I choose what to believe in God. That's the starting place, isn't it? And then as I gain more understanding from God's Word, that faith goes from a, that goes from a general belief that there's a Creator, that there's a God, that there's a higher power, how you want to say it. Then all it begins to be more specific because now I see that Jesus has come to show us this unknown God. And to, re to reveal Him to us what He's like, what His purpose is, what His intent is in relation to creation and mankind. <clears throat> we talked about redemption was necessary. It came by the one man, Jesus. We just read that there in, Rome, in Romans chapter 5. And... As I mentioned before, man is composed of spirit, soul, and body. When the body dies, man's spirit and soul live on. Come on. Paul said this. He said, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. Let's look over there, 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to wrap this up in just a minute. Hang on here. 2 Corinthians 5. We're talking about kingdoms and conflict. You know, there's nothing new about this conflict. It's been going on since man has been on the planet. There's been a conflict going on. And the conflict battles and rages for the minds and the hearts of men. And all throughout history... There has been the wisdom of man, the advance of man, the discovery of man in the natural that has been in opposition to the spiritual because what? Because he could not know the spiritual realm by all of his wisdom, by all of his, his investigation, by all of his uh, philosophy. He could not know God. God says... It must be by faith. It must be by faith. Man is composed of a spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 
Let's read here, picking up in about, well, let's pick it up in verse 1. He said, now we know if the earthly tent, he's talking about this body, we live in is destroyed. We have a building from God, an eternal house in the heaven, not built by human hands. And he goes on to say in verse 10, Well, I'm just going to read that whole thing, even though we're close for time. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, verse 2, verse 3, because when we're clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we're in this tent, our body, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal, this body, may be swallowed up by life. Now God, that is God who has made us for this very purpose. God didn't make us just to live 60, 70, 80 years, and then that's it. God's not in the recycling business. You know, we don't die and then keep coming back. God has made us for this very purpose, has given us His Spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body... We're away from the Lord. Who's the we he's talking about? What do you mean we're at home in the body? He's talking about the spirit of man. It's your earth suit. Therefore, we're always confident as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord. We live by faith and not by science lives by sight and not by faith. And that's fine as long as it's kept in that realm. But you can't take it over into the spiritual realm. That won't work. It doesn't function there. We live by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please Him whether we're at home in the body or away from it. Now listen to this. Verse 10. This is where I wanted to go. For we must all appear... Before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is done, what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Now, humanistic worldview says when you're dead, you're dead just like any other animal. Put you in the ground, throw some dirt on you, that's it. But the Bible reveals that there is a hidden man, the spirit of man, that when this body Uh, dies and is put in the grave, it lives on. It goes to be with the Lord. If you're you're a believer, if you're a Christian, you put your faith in it, it goes to be with the Lord. But he said that everyone will appear before God, the judgment seat of Christ, to give an account. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, that's fine. That's your choice. You're you're free to, free to believe or not to believe. I'm just giving you, I'm just, I'm just the messenger. You know? Isn't that right? I'm just, man is accountable for God, for, to, for his life to God. Hebrews 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Awful quiet in here. I know this is not all politically correct, but it's God correct. So man has a purpose in this, both in this present life, but also in eternity. 
We're so much more than just the, the natural life. We're, we're more than the dash between two dates on a tombstone. There's more to it than, than owning several houses and paying off cars and putting kids through college. All that's good. Don't misunderstand me. I'm doing that. But it's more than that. That's the revelation that can only come from God through the person of Jesus Christ and through this book we call the Bible. So the Bible is revelation of God to man with the highest and clearest being in the person of His Son, Jesus. So here's the thing. When the Israelites, and I'm closing right now in the next couple of minutes. When the Israelites were about to go into the promised land, they, you know the story, they'd come out of Egypt, they wandered around because they wouldn't believe God, so that for 40 years they wandered around till the unbelieving generation died off, and a new generation rose up. I'm believing for a new generation to rise up that's going to believe God, going to trust God. Man, they're going to go into the, they're going to go in and possess it. But he said to them, that next generation, when just as they were about to, to, to cross Jordan and go in, he said, he said, I'm setting before you a choice. He said, life and blessing are cursing and death. And then he said, you choose. I'm not going to choose for you. God's not going to choose for you. Nobody else can choose for you. Your parents, your grandparents, no matter how much they pray for you, they, they can't choose for you. You have to choose which worldview will you choose and will you gain the understanding that in choosing God's worldview doesn't mean you have to reject what science can do. But rather you have an understanding that can embrace a holistic worldview that understands that God created this planet, put everything in it for man, and gave man dominion and ability and responsibility to be a steward over this planet and to discover all the riches He's put here. But to use it to glorify man, not to glorify myself. So we today, we have to Take a step. And I would encourage you, take the time to study out what I've shared with you today about these two worldviews and ask yourself, which one offers the best answers to life and death, to eternity, and to knowing God? That's something science, with all of its benefits in this natural world, cannot give you. It cannot explain the purpose of man. With all of its research and instruments, it cannot discover the Spirit of man or the Spirit of God. It takes a step of faith. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.